This episode of Bonfireside Chat, like every episode of Bonfireside Chat, is brought to you by our patrons over at patreon.com forward slash duckfeedtv. Uh, if you would like to support the show, if you like this show, uh, if you want to support the network, it's a very exciting time. Uh, you can head on over there and donate a couple bucks a month. It makes a huge difference. We really appreciate it. And I am so excited to start talking about Dark Souls for the Revenge of Gwyn. Some of our landings were desperate adventures. We are now prepared to meet the inevitable counterattacks with power and with confidence. Ah, another one roused from the sleep of death. Well, you're not alone. We unkindled are worthless. Can't even die right. <laughs> Gives me conniptions. And they'd have us seek the lords of Cinder and return them to their molding thrones. But we're talking true legends with the metal to link the fire. We're not fit to lick their boots. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Bonfire Side Chat. It is a kindled favorite. And this week we are uh, beginning our discussion of Dark Souls 3 proper by talking about the generalities and then talking about the uh, the, tut- the tutorial world and the hub world. Yes. Yeah, this is, uh, and we're just, uh, just the two of us. This is the tradition we always begin and end the season by ourselves. Uh, next episode, when we get into the first proper area, is when we will have guests who are still being lined up. But uh, yeah, the uh, so this is just us, and uh, we're we're gonna be uh, you know we got a spoiler policy, and we want to run it by you again because uh, <laughs> just want to be super clear about that. Yeah, um, this is the first episode that will have anything that I think would really constitute a spoiler, um, other than what would end up in a review. This is actually about the content of the game. Yes. Um, and what we do is we talk about the area, the things that are in that area. Um, we will reference things that happen in the future as they relate, um, oftentimes obliquely. We're not going to spoil any kind of big twisty type things. And we're not going to spoil things that you don't have access to at this point in the game. So uh, this is a hub area. If you've played other Souls games, you know that NPCs will end up here. We're not going to talk about every NPC quest line that ends up in this hub. Um, we are going to talk about the ones that are available right off the bat and then touch on those NPCs as we get there. And this holds true until we get up to Ithril. Uh, at that point, um, everything is kind of on the table. You guys have had months to, to catch up with us, and we assume that everybody wants to hear everything. Yes, and we will, uh, as that wall draws closer, remind you about yes. that because eventually um, anything we say could become a spoiler. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. and and if it it's too uh, torturous to dance around something mm-hmm. um, on the way up to it. Um, if we have to, uh, you know, da- like we will refer to things obliquely. Yeah. So your sensitivity is going to vary. If you were like us before we went into Dark Souls 3 and literally don't want to know anything. Um, this this probably, probably isn't the place for you. No, this this podcast is not for you. Um, so if we drop a name of a boss that comes later without actually spoiling the lore of that boss or the mechanics, that has to be okay. <laughs> or rather... <laughs> I mean, it doesn't have to be okay with you. It's part of the price of admission. That's what we're going to do. Yeah. Um, so uh, it's not going to come up too much here, but just uh, just as an FYI. Yes. So yep. yeah, uh, let's jump right into the, uh, the 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 content of the game. We've you know we always begin each of these seasons with a uh, with with kind of the generalities. Dark Souls three for the uh, for the returning Souls player. 
right? Yes. Um, and uh, one of the things that is most refreshing about this is that it is a Dark Souls game. Um, yep. It is not a Bloodborne game. Uh, it has a couple of similarities to Bloodborne. I think they're pretty minor, actually. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, our you know mileage can vary. I've seen that. I feel like it's been exaggerated a lot. Mm-hmm. But it is a little bit. It's a little bit closer to Bloodborne um, than Dark Souls Two was. But it is slow. You know, it is as slow paced as you want it to be. Methodical. It feels like Souls. Yeah. Um, it does not feel like uh, Yarnum. You know. Right. Um, and you're going to benefit, uh, because of that similarity, you're, you're going to benefit coming into it with Souls knowledge, specifically with knowledge of Dark Souls 1 for both uh, mechanics and uh, and some kind of lore stuff. Um, but this knowledge can work against you because uh, Dark Souls 3 in particular, kind of like Dark Souls 2 was, but to a much you know less extent, much smaller extent, um, Dark Souls 3 takes glee in either arbitrarily deciding to reinforce your expectation in a uh, in a familiar situation or subverting it yeah yeah it's gonna it's not exactly the same so um i i cannot imagine the player who plays this without playing dark souls one mm-hmm. unless they totally don't care about the story um you know that i feel like it's necessary this is a direct sequel um but play wise i mean it, it also feels a lot like dark souls 2 as well so i think that that's gonna serve you serve you pretty well uh in addition um so death and health are different uh, Dark Souls 3 handles the way the health uh, works in a different way. You no longer hollow um, unless you actually want to. That's part of an NPC quest line that we're going to talk about. Instead, you start out as something called Unkindled. And this gives you a standard health bar. And then after killing a boss or using an ember, which is kind of the equivalent of humanity, or helping somebody else in co-op, uh, you become Kindled and get an extension to your health meter. Yeah. So in the past, when you we had the hollowed state, we used to always say like, oh, well, think about the unhallowed or in a demon souls rather. Yes. We used to think, oh, think about your human form as a buff mm-hmm. rather than a detriment when you're not in it. This actually makes that the text. Yes. It and, is a it is a buff to be human. And it very much uh, changes kind of the t- the the timber of that mechanic a little bit. I have not seen people complaining. Um, much like I did uh, see people uh, really kind of grousing about the half health in uh, Demon yeah, Souls. Yeah. It presents it in a much more humane way. I think th- I think that's part of it. I also think that the Demon Souls being the first in the series, mm-hmm. like it was kind of a new idea. Yeah. So I think it's partly that presentation and partly just not being used to pe- being penalized. Yeah. In um, uh, in that way. And um, and this also gets away from Dark Souls 2's uh, diminishing health bar as you die successive times. Yes. Um, it uh, it doesn't have that poor get poorer kind of sense. Yes. Um, one thing that I, I want to make as a blanket statement for the season is I'm going to end up saying humanity instead of Ember. Oh yeah. And I'm going to say just human like... <laughs> instead of kindled. And just like yeah. we called, um, blood echoes souls in the bloodborne section. Yep. And... Like we're, we're just going to do it. So please understand what we mean. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, this also is important because being kindled, uh, allows you to access multiplayer. So you cannot summon unless you're kindled and, uh, you can't be invaded unless you're kindled either by NPCs or by, um, uh, other folks. Um, and these invasions are pretty chaotic because you've got these covenants that are returning, most of which have, uh, have relate all of which actually have a relationship to the, to the multiplayer. Um, and you can have not just somebody who's there to kill you, but somebody who's there to kill the person who is there to kill you, uh, much like in dark souls too. And then additionally, you will have people who are there to kill both of you. Um, that yes. extra level of complication uh, kind of turns what used to be, you know, this one person ganking into uh, into an all-out fracas. Yeah, it's definitely a step up in complexity from one. 
um, similar to to two, a little bit different, and in kind of a, a change. And, and this is tied into covenants. Um, so since Bloodborne, covenants have returned. Bloodborne kind of reduced covenants down to their simplest essence. Um, in this one, we have you know several different covenants. Uh, they all relate to multiplayer, as we mentioned. We're going to talk about the specifics as we reach them. Um, but in kind of talking about the changes that come in general between Dark Souls 3 and Dark Souls 2, uh, the covenants to me felt less complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, like the there is one kind of wild card covenant that they added in, but there's nothing quite as weird as like the rat bros. There's no PVE covenants. Um, those aren't there. So it's a lot of just like forest gankers and then like protectors and attackers. Right. You know, uh, so it's it's in a weird way. It feels like it is more simple. Then and nothing as weird as like grave lording, you know. Yeah, like there's nothing yeah. audacious in the covenants, and I think that that's kind of a bummer to me. It's, mm-hmm. It feels very conservative. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and I think that that was a reaction to Bloodborne. Like Bloodborne kind of took it down to its base elements, and they're like, hey, this is this works. This is fine. We want to have more of these for flavor, and the flavor is all great. And that's what we're going to talk about when we get to them, because the the covenants have some of the coolest ideas around them. Uh, and set pieces as far as lore, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mechanically, it is a real, like, this guy's going to attack you or this guy's going to defend you. And then there's the one weirdo covenant, which is really cool. Yeah. But it does, again, nothing feels quite as crazy as, like, oh, I get to make a fun house or, <laughs> oh, I get to, you know, no, there's nothing quite as cool as grave lording. Right. In here. Yeah. Um, and some of these covenants are tied into NPC quest lines, um, which are back um, and mm-hmm. are uh, very, very convoluted. When I say they're back, what I mean is they stretch throughout the game as opposed to being like Dark Souls 2's like inter or sorry, intra um, kind of spoke quest line yes. kind of things. Um, here you have uh, several complicated quest lines that are very, very easy to mess up without a guide. Um, I'm not going to make an incredibly sweeping statement to say that everybody is going to end up with a with an empty and sad world, but players going in blind who don't know exactly what to do to trigger this are going to find a lot of corpses and not know why. Yes, um, it is. You know, and this is something there was one or two really long quest lines of Bloodborne that were complicated, but this has a half dozen, it feels like. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that this kind of lends into a generality that this game is meant to be played multiple times through. Oh, yeah. I don't think you're meant to see every quest line on your way through. And it, it, there's explicitly uh, one of them that's kind of mutually exclusive with another. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you can kind of, if you time it right, you can do both, but it's difficult. Um, this is, you know, with the uh, the New Game Plus kind of ring cycle stuff we were talking about. Not the ring cycle that is. I mean, there is a <laughs> ring cycle. It's an opera. Uh, not that ring cycle. The, uh, the Claranthi ring plus two ring cycle mm-hmm. um, that there is. With that and uh, with the idea that there are more endings to this game, without actually saying what happens in the endings, there are more of them. Um, I think more than any other Dark Souls, this is meant to be played multiple times. Yes. And this uh, this NPC complexity ties into that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to on this on the second playthrough and then probably like the third or fourth um, mm-hmm. seeing more of that because it's kind of sad to, to, to see that empty world because oh, a yeah. lot of these characters are really likable and I wanted to see how their stuff played out. Yeah. And then the other, I mean, there's even more to that as well. We'll get to it in a little bit, but like the level design is really dense in a way that suggests multiple playthroughs. Oh yeah. Um, the, the entire game is denser than it is wide. Mm-hmm. Um, mechanically, um, dual wielding is out, uh, you know, power <laughs> stancing is out, but, uh, weapon skills and battle arts are in. It feels a little bit like fourth edition D and D when like every fighter also just had, you know, once per, per use, once per day abilities. <laughs> they could cast a blade spell. Yeah. 
Yes. And and what this does is it kind of turns almost every weapon into the way that boss weapons worked mm -hmm. in previous games, where if you uh, two-hand a weapon and use L2, you use a special skill. It varies, um, you know, depending on the weapon, but so it varies greatly. Like, some of these are buffs, <laughs> some of these are different kinds of attacks, some of them are spell-like. Yeah. Uh, it's really, some of them are movement-based. Mm -hmm. uh, it is really, really, really neat. Yeah, some of them increase your poise or allow you to get around, uh, like, defenses and blocks and stuff like that. Yes. Yeah. Super cool. Um, so it brings a lot of uh, variety um, into any individual kind of weapon um, that you mm -hmm. might choose. Like, it, it puts a lot of importance behind that. Um, yep. in, uh, in kind of the way that, uh, that weapons felt important in Bloodborne, but you have that, you have that variety, uh, that's around. And those, those weapon arts are fueled by your FP meter, your, your, your mana meter, which is, uh, uh, returning for the first time since, uh, Demon Souls. So both battle arts and spells draw from that. Um, and you, uh, fill it back up with Estus or with certain items, but, uh, you don't have like a finite number of casts for anything. Yes. Yeah. I think, um, you know, magic points versus, uh, Vancian magic. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and uh, these extra skills and these extra builds, not to mention, like when you said that, um, you know, these these different weapon builds are back, uh, mm -hmm. weapons are back. <laughs> um, you know, you can you can play the first like couple hours of this and find as many weapons as there are in Bloodborne. Right. You know, and uh, this all lends itself to uh, builds being back, uh, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, this is one of the biggest things mechanically I missed about Bloodborne. Mm -hmm. um, there are a lot of different ways to play this game. <laughs> and uh that's really, really cool. And is again, is lending itself to that. Like you're meant to play this multiple times mm -hmm. kind of feel. Yeah. And uh, along with builds um, and, you know, kind of interacting with the battle arts here, shields are back. So yes. there are some shields that will let you use your battle arts, but uh, otherwise you have to kind of make a choice whether you want that additional uh, kind of uh, offensive or buffing vocabulary, or if you want to take uh, shelter behind the womb of your great shield, you know? Yes. And even even further than that, uh, shields have weapon arts. So mm -hmm. shields, not every shield can parry now, which <laughs> is uh, such a huge thing. Like some shields will do a shield bash, which is always the case. Yeah. But now it, there's some shields that do a buff. Um, there's some shields that have kind of special properties. And uh, this means that, you know, you're you just have an immense amount of control over your vocabulary moving through the world in a way that is additive rather than subtractive. You know, um, this is the this is the part of the series or the game that widened rather than deepened. Yes, I feel like definitely, uh, and that that's great. Like you know, Bloodborne, like you, every weapon had like a billion moves, and they had those amazing little silhouette guides in the uh, in the uh, the future press guide mm -hmm. and stuff to what your weapon set was. Here, it's like it's it's not quite that deep for every weapon, but because you're controlling your entire character and controlling whether you want spells or miracles or pyromancies or or what what have you, um, your tool is like it's just a Swiss Army knife that is like a nightmare of <laughs> you know it's like an inside out mouth yeah. it's just it's just teeth and claws everywhere yeah. and it's kind of great like you know pick five you know and, and kind of move forward yeah it's pretty great and you can take those weapons and customize them um and it's about as varied as it's been since demon souls uh with lots of different infusions you can perform and because you know again the way that this adds on top of the variety i found myself kind of maintaining Again, that Swiss Army knife, I, I, like like a a back uh, kind of arsenal that I would switch switch between as the situation demanded. Which coming off of Bloodborne, where you were just kind of fixed into one track, um, really made this feel like more of a more of a strategic kind of thing. Yeah, so especially in the end game, I think yeah. the um, the weapon kind of improvement curve is pretty harsh. Mm -hmm. Like it it takes a very long time before you can buy upgrade materials, uh, and and very very long before you can buy kind of high-end upgrade materials hmm. 
But, um, you know, you're kind of encouraged because of that to have a wide variety of weapons that have different elemental affiliate, uh, affiliations or specialties and uh, and keep them, um, which is something they try to do in Dark Souls 2 as well. But the way they did it in Dark Souls 2 was through durability and attrition. Yeah. Um, this way it is actually through uh, kind of in a positive sense, a positive framing. <laughs> And that's probably uh, for the best. Wow. Like, so this, they're running down these generalities between the way they frame up health and the way they frame this. They're taking so many things that used to be negatives and punishments and turning them into like incentives to play. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it was run through a uh, like a, a corporate workshop or like it was run through a team building <laughs> seminar. I'm just, I'm just picturing somebody trying to fall backwards onto a Dark Souls 3 disc. Yeah. Hoping it catches them. Yeah. Yeah. Catch me. <laughs> but um you 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 achieve these customizations through infusions like in two. Um and uh these are kind of gated by these embers that you find out in the world. So this is an amalgamation between how it was handled in one and how it was handled in two. So you find the uh the the uh ember that lets you make a certain kind of weapon, but you also have to find kind of the reagent that your smith will, you know, pound into it. Yeah. Which is which is actually like real similar to to one. Mm -hmm. Um it's just kind of uh yeah, it, it, it feels a lot like one, like finding the divine stone or what have you. The kind of difference here is that there is such a big variety that it reminds me of getting um, crystals in Final Fantasy V. Oh, yeah. Like this crystal unlocks three classes. <laughs> like finding, you know, finding this coal unlocks three different in, infusions. Yeah. Um, but just finding the infusion doesn't mean anything because those those drops for those uh, actual stones that infuse uh, are random right. and uh, tied to crystal lizards often. So that there's an element of luck there. Yeah. Um, to, you know, to find these gems. Mm -hmm. um, this is a shorter game, but as we mentioned, it's very dense. It's dense in every way. It is dense in level design. It's dense in difficulty. Um, you know, you are going to kind of pound this out rather than swoop through it. Right. Um, and this is uh, partly because it doesn't have this interconnected world of Dark Souls 1, uh, but it doesn't feel as spoke-like as Demon Souls or Dark Souls 2. Right. Um, this is a big line with a lot of little veins coming off of it. Yeah. It's a, uh, see, see, see the impressions episode where we call this tr uh, tree branch. Yes, that that is exactly what this is. Right after that happened, that guy made those uh those visual representations. Yeah, those gorgeous graphs. Yeah, that's real. That's real good. I'll put those in the show notes. Um, but that that's what it is. And uh, you know, because of this, uh, you can warp between bonfires. Mm -hmm. Um, because otherwise, you would have to to go back to the first area. You'd have to walk through <laughs> every area you've been through. Yep. Um, as opposed to just jumping. As opposed to just jumping down from uh from an upper level. You know, of yeah. the coil. Yeah. And a lot, I feel like uh, the fan reaction to this has been really mixed. Mm -hmm. um, I think people are going to to be, you know, because that's the thing people wanted mm -hmm. in Dark Souls 2 and didn't get it. And it's like, well, you didn't get it in Dark Souls 3 either. <laughs> but I think it lends itself, again, those those lessons that they learned with the teleporting uh, from the start and the density of bonfires is that you can concentrate more on specific encounters. Mm -hmm. And it becomes about uh, this stretch between this bonfire and this bonfire, um, you know, that you maybe only have to do once. But uh, they can make that more challenging because of that. <laughs> and yeah. uh, that's a, that's a density aspect, too. Some of these uh, these runs between bonfires are really harrowing. Yeah. Um, yeah. It turns uh, turns into a game of a, a, that, that is a series of sprints as opposed to yes. uh, marathons that you have to manage. Yes. Um, yeah. So you still need to return to your hub world to uh, to, to, to level up. You can't just do it at any, at any bonfire. Um, and this is kind of ameliorated by. Uh, 
the shorter load times. So we're not dealing with a Bloodborne situation where for the first half of that season, we were waiting, you know, 40 to 60 seconds every time we died or every time we wanted to go back and uh, mess with inventory or level up. Um, thankfully, you can warp from any bonfire to any bonfire. You don't have to go back to the hub like you did in, uh, in Bloodborne. Yes. Um, and this is, uh, it is better than it could be, but I still don't understand why you can't level up. Mm-hmm. At, uh, at bonfires. I mean, the, the, the character that helps you level up that we'll, we'll talk about does have significance. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't feel like it would have been that hurt if she would have <laughs> did it like did another function. Yeah. Like she's where you improve your Estus or she's where you improve your, uh, you know, your Estus count or what have you. Um, that would have been a real big deal uh, to me to be able to level up anywhere. Because as it is, it's still just a time tax. It's less of a time tax, mm-hmm. but it's still, you know, no, there's no ludic function behind having to warp back to the hub. Right. It feels like other than to kind of encourage you to fe- make it feel like home. Mm-hmm. But I think that that idea works in the short term, but we learned through Majula, like I love Majula. Majula is really relaxing, but it gets p- tedious to like go back time and time again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's talk about what, uh, what's missing. Um, Cause there are definitely some things they took out from the previous, previous games. Yes. Uh, so there are no bonfire aesthetics, which uh, I know that you and I were both kind of hoping for that uh, that ability to kind of roll your own difficulty um, for yep. an area or to go back and see content without having to uh, roll all the way um, from the beginning back up to that spot. I think yes. that is a, that's a pretty big, pretty big loss. I, yeah, it sucks. Yeah. Like, I don't who didn't like bonfire aesthetics mm-hmm. like who who like thought that was a bad idea. It was so, so, so useful for like, not just for the show, because like, you know, I want to go and revisit a specific boss and that's going to get harder and harder as the, the season goes on, you know, to, to talk about one of the late game bosses, I might want to fight him a couple times, mm-hmm. you know, and, and now I'm not able to do that. Um, it would have allowed us to kind of spot check the differences between uh, new game plus and uh, new game. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like really useful for just like gaining souls and yeah. stuff. Like if you're just, uh, I need to get this weapon in a certain kind of shape, um, you know, aesthetics were kind of my go-to for that. And uh, I really missed them. I think that was a great item and a great idea. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also no chalices. So it kind of balances <laughs> out. Um, was there some kind of like Sophie's choice you had to make? No, yeah, ch- I, yeah. no chalices or no aesthetics. You must choose one Butterfield. Miyazaki came to me in a dream. <laughs> and and, he, and uh, he spoke to me in a language I didn't understand. And then I, I just like kind of shook my head diagonally. Yep. And that meant uh, no bonfire aesthetics, but also no chalices. Yeah. Um, so thank good. There's, I mean, the ideal way would have been to fix chalices, yep. but I'm very satisfied with what we got. Like there's enough content here, even though it is a shorter game. Yeah. Um, and there are optional areas, but there's nothing optional that's dedicated to a, a specific covenant. Right. Uh, the way that there has, have been in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So that's, what's missing. I'm sure there is more like, uh, I, did you ever figure out, I, I never had any enemies despawn, but I also never died enough on a run to make that be a thing. Yeah, they, they don't despawn. Okay. Um, I, I never had to have it, you know, become a thing, but I would have read about it. Yeah. Somebody would have complained about it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, so the enemies don't despawn anymore, which I also think, like, I didn't use that very much in one, but I also think that that was a good, like, that was good. Yeah. Uh, but I, I recognize that's because I don't farm for things. Yeah. So people who farmed for things hated that. But I know, like, our friend, a friend of the show, Riff, from uh, Video Game Hot Dog, uh, he loved it. Yeah. You know, like he he thought it was and I still like maintain that Dark Souls 2 has the best like player controlled difficulty of any video game I played. Yeah. Um, and that was part of it. Yeah. Um, um, small on the fly correction. You said you didn't use it very much in one. Gary meant two. Oh, that is that is what I meant. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. 
Um, as we, we kind of allude to a little bit, uh, we still don't know what New, Ga- New Game Plus is like, and whether it's closer to, uh, to Dark Souls 2 or Dark Souls 1. Um, the guide, uh, which is a hot dumpster fire yeah i really uh, don't like that guy very much it is the worst yeah there uh, I, i've not to be like that guy like who says oh there are typos therefore bad but like there's some typos and very poorly constructed sentences and like weird little digression boxes it feels it like is, a prima guide from like 1998 it is one of the worst written things i've spent money on yes like no joke mm-hmm. like it is it is there are sentences that end in the middle of a sentence like there's no <laughs> there's no period it's like in the middle of a word um the information that's actually in there is pretty bad yeah like it, it is bad advices for bosses you know bad advice for bosses yeah um yeah it is a really bad guide i miss but future the, press <laughs> I, I miss it so bad and it, it sucks too because i can't think of a, like there's no way that anyone was unsatisfied with the quality of those guides right it just had to be money like it just had to be you know prima like undercut them yeah and and said we'll do it for cheaper and it's like boy and even i'm not this is coming from me like i am not uh aesthetics guy in a lot of ways um even the components of the book feel shitty yes like the paper feels shitty the ink like the pages are thin yeah you know it just uh and there's some like pictures that are definitely like blown up oh yeah definitely that 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 they took from a uh uh, like like an actual screen grab uh they didn't get like developer art or uh, actually present stuff at a regular resolution. Like uh, these artifacts belong in a museum on these JPEGs. Like it is really rough. Um, And also uh, small annoyance for me, but it's definitely something that didn't happen on my future press guides. Uh, They have the, uh, the little like tabs on the side, you know, like where Mm -hmm. they have like, okay, like this section of the book is this chapter. This section of the book is is this chapter. And those are wavy, like sine waves. Yeah, <laughs> like they don't none of the uh, none of the tab like sections line up. It is very poorly crafted. And this has been our review of the Prima guide for Dark Souls 3. It is. Yeah, it is. Uh, the two things that are good about it. And we'll get back to our original point that like caused us to have this digression. But I, I wanted to do a mini bonfire side chat on the shitty guy just to, you know, uh, warn people. Um, the maps are still useful. Mm-hmm. Uh, maps are always going to be good in these games. I mean, they're hard to do in this game. You know, this guy does it the same way all the other guides have done it, which is decent. Um, and then it has every item description. So yes. like that is useful as a reference uh, for the week before all of those things end up on <laughs> on a wiki. Uh, you know, just at my fingerprints, yeah. finger uh, fingertips. But it is. Uh, oh, and the little journal that came with my version was good. Yes, um, that's a cute little journal. I like but that. boy, is it shitty. Yeah. Um, um, as we were saying, also, also it's missing uh, Epic Name Bros uh, lore index where you yes. could uh, look up the page numbers for item descriptions related to a single character or idea. Or even uh, lore index or just lore information. So like when I see a boss getting that little paragraph that kind of sets you up for the flavor mm-hmm. of it was like really nice. It was useful. You know, like there was information there that you couldn't find anywhere else. Yeah. And some of that came from like the original, you know, a direct translation of, of the name in Japanese or what have you. Um, this is missing a lot. It is a bad guide. Um, the, the map is fine. The item descriptions are fine. And the thing we were alluding to before we went on this digression uh, is that flipping through it, there are kind of references to a different kind of new game plus. Um, mostly it seems to be finding different rings, um, finding different kind of pieces of equipment. Uh, we don't know if there are any actual gameplay differences like there are in Dark Souls 2. Yeah, I'm still um, getting my my furthest along character ready for new game plus. Yes. Uh, if that's missing, I will throw that up on the regrettable missing yeah. section. I, I wanted them to take that further in Dark Souls 2, but it was welcome mm-hmm. that it was there. Um here it's you know it's kind of a bummer that it's not here um yeah so let's uh let's get into the introduction of the game and uh yeah let's do it with the uh let's cut in that dialogue yeah yes indeed it is called lothric 
where the transitory lands of the Lords of Cinder converge. In venturing north, the pilgrims discover the truth of the old words. So this is amazing because it starts in the middle of a sentence. Yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, and it does that because it's uh, this is uh, and we'll, this will become a theme and people will get sick of me saying it. Uh, this is before I kind of got sick of the the referencing, mm-hmm. you know. So this was like, oh, th- I like that this quote, you know, this starts the same way mm-hmm. like that. Yes, indeed. I, I like that. Yeah. Um, you know, I like that callback. And this is before callbacks got get obnoxious in this game. Um, <laughs> it's a great game. I love it. So just so you know, I love this game. Gary does not hate Dark Souls 3, just like <laughs> Gary didn't hate Bloodborne. Um, but I do get sick of the callbacks yeah. uh, here. But this, uh, this is a these are callbacks I like, uh, not only because of that, yes indeed, kind of uh, you know, in the same voice actress, 
but also like this is introducing us to a pantheon of gods we're going to kill <laughs> and dark souls games are about killing gods and uh, i like these little like uh you know sizzle reels of these uh these people I'm, i know i'm going to meet mm-hmm. that uh, you get the name you get this little image that kind of fires your imagination well before you actually know anything about them yeah, to the point where i had to make a point to go back and watch this several times throughout the game um, just on YouTube so I could remember it because I didn't want to have a situation where I like, where the hell did this guy come from? And no, he was set up from the beginning. Yes. Yeah. Um, and all three that we see are pretty, uh, pretty evocative, right? You know, we, oh, yeah. have, we have Aldrich. He's that just this roiling black blob that overflows his coffin. Yep. yep. <laughs> it was super cool. Yeah. Uh, I like Aldrich. Uh, we get Farron's undead Legion, mm-hmm. uh, who are the abyss watchers. And uh, these guys kind of, you know, they they kind of look familiar. Um, you know, they they have these uh, tricorn helmets, and they're propping themselves up on their sword. And mm-hmm. I like already like that it's not an individual; mm-hmm. um, it's like an organization. Yeah, and that's kind of new and different. Yeah, I like that all of them decided to uh, to kindle. <laughs> yes, together. Yeah. As a, as, as it's, it's like it's like, they, like a lottery pool almost. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's the fantasy football league for <laughs> for kindling, and uh, it was a tie. Yeah, um, and then we have Yorm, who is uh, who is a giant, and he's from a place called the Profaned Capital, which is an amazing name. Um, yes, and, and it's kind of the first uh, the first area name outside of Lothric uh, that we get here. And he is a Dark Souls two giant, and he stands up and then just lights on fire himself. He goes full yes. human torch. Yep, and uh, so so we've learned uh, that you know they've abandoned their thrones. The unkindled will rise, yeah. and the nameless are cursed undead, or unfit even to be cinder, will yeah. do their thing. And so that, we that don't bell, really... the bell tolled because the fire got low, right? Yes. Like this is the cycle continuing. The bell tolls, and then the lords are going to rise up again, and they have to go back to the throne, but they don't want to. Yes, and that is that's going to be our job, and we're going to learn a little bit more about that when we get to the hub. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so. we also get a shot of these amazing pilgrims um, who are mm-hmm. marching uh, from uh, from Londor. Um, with these stones on their back, so they kind of look like turtles. But we see one collapse and then rest underneath the stone, giving kind of the idea that they carry these stones so that if they go ho- if they if they collapse and go hollow again and lose their minds, they won't attack people. The um, I think that that's uh, that's super evocative. I think that there's um, there's a piece of armor a little bit later that has something very similar to the stones mm-hmm. that explains it. It looks almost exactly the same and. The piece of armor that has kind of the turtle back stone, uh, they say what that does. Hmm. Um, and it is to prevent their backs from becoming a seedbed for for corruption, yeah. um, which is something that we'll we'll get into a little bit later in the season. But it might be so it, the your idea also works, mm-hmm. um, but it could be a dual purpose as well. Yeah, um, it is to hold them down, but then also to uh, to stop shit from <laughs> popping out of their back. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so the, the the unkindled will arise, these the, these nameless accursed, and we see somebody um, kind of rising, uh, covered in dust, out of this uh, out of this coffin, um, intercut with a picture of this woman putting on a uh, a crown, and we see we we kind of only see her in profile. Yes, and uh, yeah, we're going to meet that woman, and we're going to meet this guy because uh, that's us. Yep. And uh, so we we start out in the cemetery of ash. And uh, your character, you know, you stand up, you get out of this grave, and you're covered with ashes. Yeah. And uh, yeah, this is this is our tutorial area. <laughs> we had uh, we had several people write in talking about how this is the first intro to any of these games that hammered home the fact that you're a corpse. Yes. Just the fact that you know you're not thrown into a cell, you're not uh, kind of waking up after jumping into a uh, into a skeleton tornado. Uh, you are just standing up out of a grave. Like this is yes. where you belonged, and everything from the get is unnatural. 
Well, this is this is the first one where you are a corpse. Yes. Like it just it hammers at home because you know when you are in the undead asylum, you're not a corpse. Mm-hmm. Like you're just a hollow. Yep. Um, you know, this is oh. this is uh, literally you're rising from the dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, into the cemetery where the sky is a sickly color and everything here is uh, is is monochrome. Yes. Yeah. And and at first, like this kind of bummed me out a little bit because mm-hmm. uh, I was like, oh, this is the washout color palette for the game. Um, you know, this is going to be, you know, I missed color mm-hmm. after uh, after Bloodborne. Yeah. Um, you know, but this uh, this does not stay, but it does set a mood yeah. and that mood is really oppressive. Yeah. Um, you know, there are gravestones everywhere. It is very Bloodborne-esque. And that's yeah. another reason why this kind of reminded me of Blood- Bloodborne <laughs> is this kind of a thousand grave pile up, uh, <laughs> you know, here. And uh, you're introduced to the tutorial messages. Uh, we've always had these that just kind of tell you the basic controls on the ground. And uh, we meet these grave wardens. Yes. Um, so these are the weakling uh, first enemies uh, that are a little bit more aggressive and attack you more than the uh, the Dark Souls 1 versions of the same. Yeah. And like they, these guys will actually fight. Yeah. And they're definitely set up for, for teamwork that is, that is more, hmm, let's say, advanced than just running at you, swinging their arms like the draglings were from uh, Demon Souls or Dark Souls. Um, mm-hmm. Like the encounter design with these guys feels a little bit more considered than uh, yes. than, than, than than just mobs, right? Um, I'm not sure if these are capital G, capital W grave wardens, uh, like from Dark Souls 2, but that is what they are called in the guide, and uh, they kind of have this gaunt-looking appearance. They have these uh, pale, stretched-out faces, and they're wearing these uh, these dark robes. Yes. Yep. yep. Uh, so you're introduced to your basic verbs and everything, just kind of how to fight. And uh, the first uh, one of these guys is near or kind of guarding in front of a well um, where there is a character who looks a lot like, uh, like a little bit like Oscar. Like there's a knight uh, there who has an Estes flask on him, but it is not a normal Estes flask. No. And that introduces the kind of big mechanic that we are going to talk about uh, that we didn't mention the generalities because it was going to come right here. Mm -hmm. And that is the interplay between your Estes flask and your Ashen Estes flask. Yes. So the regular Estus flask is talking about how no journey uh, uh, of any worth has been undertaken without the Estus flask. Burn, Bloodborne. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, you have your regular one that glows orange, you know, with uh, with the fire of the bonfire, pretty much. And that restores your health. But this other one, kind of the befitting the unkindled who carry, a, who carry them, this Ashen, Ashen Estus flask has kind of burnt out. Um, and it yes. turns the bonfire's heat cold. And... I have a theory about this. Okay. Um, because looking at uh, looking back on the spoilers that I I didn't read going into this, mm-hmm. um, early on extinguishing bonfires was going to be a big part of this game. Yes. Um, I feel like originally instead of having this item, you would choose to extinguish a bonfire and then it would refill your your magic rather than your health. Oh wow! Or give you give you refills for that, and it would be a choice from bonfire to bonfire. And this is the the change that is a, a positive one. Mm-hmm. But the uh, the kind of putting out bonfires is entirely removed. You don't do that in this game. Yeah. And it was definitely something that was teased at early yeah. on. Or the idea of, like, planting your own bonfires in places, too. Yes, that, that, is... that was also gotten rid of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm definitely glad I don't have to make a choice with that. Like, the Shovel Knight's cool, but not that cool. <laughs> it, it's already a, a kind of a harsh choice. Uh, yeah. So so what happens is you, you have a ratio. Um, you have like six Estus and you get to choose how many of them uh, refill your health and how many of them refill your FP. Yeah. And uh, kind of annoyingly, you can only do this at the hub. Yeah. I wish you could do it at any bonfire. Mm-hmm. But um, it kind of makes a it enforces the kind of glass cannon nature of casters. Um, if you're going to be relying a lot on FP, you're not going to be able to heal as much. Right. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, so that's pretty cool. I like that you picked this up by the well. Um, I didn't notice the Oscar like night. I noticed that the well almost looked like a like a cairn. It looked a little, little uh, Lord Vessel-y to me. Mm. Yeah, yeah th- there's a lot of little Lord Vessels. <laughs> yeah. um, like there's a lot of like that that uh, design that pottery design <laughs> got got real big. Yep. Um, uh, it was it, yeah. the pottery of legend. And, and one real quick thing that's related to these Estes that I want to mention that we forgot to mention in the things that are gone um, are healing gems or healing herbs or magic herbs or whatever from Demon Souls and Dark Souls 2. Mm-hmm. So this Estes thing that we have, the reason why it is such an interesting risk-reward thing is because this is, for all intents and purposes, your only source of healing. Right. Um, there are very rare items that, uh, that will heal you outside of that and heal your FP, but they're very rare. Um, I think that the vendor, the first vendor you run into only sells one. Mm-hmm. Um, so those have to really count. There no longer is it the case that you can kind of, uh, you know, bring your bring your uh, your stats back uh, kind of gradually. Right there. Yeah. Um, so something else that I noticed right around here was a, a nice flavor piece, which is um, the, <laughs> the 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 names of the soul items get more depressing. They start out in a more depressing place. Eventually, you get up to you know soul of a great hero or soul of a knight, but it kind of starts with like deserted soul or abandoned soul or things like that, like yeah. just showing the degradation of the world kind of over these cycles. Yeah, or or a soul of a deserter. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is that's kind of interesting to you. I don't know exactly what what that's referring to. Um, but, yeah, it, it does the same thing where it's more flavorful than Bloodborne, but it's still really hard to tell which one is more powerful, something that's nameless or something that's abandoned. <laughs> you know, like if, if you went to a, a restaurant and there was like a nameless cheeseburger and an abandoned cheeseburger, um, you wouldn't know which one was tasted better. Uh, you know, <laughs> well, based the, on that word. Well, the abandoned cheeseburger, somebody else didn't want that. That's true. Yeah. But the nameless one, no one even saw fit to name. <laughs> What if it was indescribable? That burger. Oh, okay, like a like a Lovecraftian burger. Yeah, <laughs> like, the, like an Eldrick Eldrick uh, Cyclopean. Yeah, uh, Superberg. There, <laughs> yep. <Chaga> style. Um, <laughs> yep. Uh, but uh, well, there's there's a way to know which ones are more powerful relative to each other, which is they're sorted by power in the in the, in the inventory. Yeah, and their size. And uh, luckily, you know, returning from Dark Souls Two is being able to use multiple. Uh, ones of these at a time yes so that's nice yeah um so you're introduced to critical hits again they give you the uh the enemy that has his back uh, back pointed toward you and is uh, apparently deaf or uh, has, yes. has his earbuds in he uh, he has no situational awareness uh for you to practice your 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 critical hits which is pretty cool but as you kind of leave this this first like wide open area well, actually i want to talk about that because this tutorial area feels different compared to a lot of the others it feels more similar to uh the demon souls one a little bit and then mm-hmm. it's more wide open um i don't know that i like the design of this being like a playground almost holding yeah, everything not- I, I just i hold it up to like the undead asylum or to like things betwixt where everything was kind of like your line of sight was was limited and it was running you through this habit trail showing you this stuff as opposed to just kind of being like the uh the the, the tutorial canyon yeah, and it's also um, it's really easy to kind of miss the few little diversions there are because of that color palette. Yeah, you know this this presents um, like it feels wide open because it is so samey mm-hmm. everywhere, at least in part. Um, it's not my favorite either. Like it doesn't uh, it doesn't have the same kind of uh, same kind of feeling as as previous ones. Even the uh, you know the the Bloodborne one like is pretty incredible and also feels more story significant. Um, oh. This area will gain. Uh, some story significance like mm-hmm. you you know like all of them you you revisit uh revisit them but uh it at least initially i was just like okay it's a graveyard yeah you know like that's not that exciting mm-hmm. um and it takes a long time for that to pay off yeah 
so yeah, I, I'm with you. It is kind of a bummer. Yeah. Um, about that backstab thing too, and I'm just while things are occurring to me, uh, you can charge attacks now. Yes. Uh, similar to Bloodborne, which we we neglected to mention. So that's actually something you know something we talked about in the generalities is this game takes little bits from all of the previous games, and mm -hmm. that is a a cool addition that they took from uh, from Bloodborne. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> There's a side path you can take. Um, again, if you can notice it because of the color palette here, which I like aesthetically, but yeah, it gets in the way of uh, discoverability. Um, you get over to the tutorial areas optional boss, which is uh, these ravenous crystal lizards. Or there's just one of them here now. Um, yes. And, uh-oh, uh they're growing up and pissed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is uh, this is what happens if a regular crystal lizard eats souls, uh, <laughs> which I love that. Like, and also, when I saw this, I was just like, oh, well, you know, it's cute now, but it's going to grow up. You know, like, <laughs> you know, everybody says they want a pot belly pig. Yeah. And, you, and then <laughs> you can't flush them down. Like, there's no plumbing here, so they're just going to be, like, angry that you threw them in that pit full of your shit. Yeah, you gotta, yeah, I gotta kick them, uh, kick them off a mountain. I was, um, I was kind of upset that they didn't turn humanoid and have them like named after the great artists. Like, oh, you know, instead of having Leonardo, Donatello, you would have uh, Ariamas and somebody else, some of the oh, craftsmen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Arianas, Llewellyn, yeah, yeah. You, you, or, or, or just grow up and uh, and start walking around on two feet in that like that one gif of the cat that does it and it's really unnatural <laughs> or, or the cow that yells tomaco in, uh, in the Simpsons. It's like, Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's got a taste for tomaco. Um, <laughs> so this is uh, similar to, you know, the giant hippo or what have you, you get a little bit optional treasure. If you can beat this guy, mm -hmm. you can run up and grab a, a soul item from him. Uh, if you kill him, you can get a, um, a fire gem. No, you get a, a Titanite scale. Yeah. That's uh, that's how you get those. And those are what, uh, those are what let you, um, upgrade boss soul items yes um i cheese this guy i beat him by luring him into a piece of geometry you couldn't mm. really pass and uh, yeah. and killed him i just came um, back a little bit later yeah he's not these guys are actually not that tough hmm. um you run into them in the wild a little bit later never you know it always feels special mm -hmm. you know it always feels kind of chandler like just in that it's it's significant uh, you said chandler are, not chandler uh yeah it's not very chandler like okay um, i don't know enough about friends to follow up on that joke <laughs> um the uh he's, he's a guy does he live in an apartment? Like he likes coffee? I think I don't. Yeah, he says bada. He says bada bing. Does he really? No. no. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I would believe it. <laughs> now, now I'm just describing. He's, he's always saying his catchphrase. You're my friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's kind of like Kramer, except he walks slowly into your room and says, "Hello, friend." Yeah, hello, friend. Hey, it's Chandlo. <laughs> Chandlo. <laughs> Chandlo. Um. Yeah, it is uh, like Chandler. So it's significant when they show up, mm -hmm. but uh, they're easy to fight. Yeah. You, you just kind of tore with them. Uh, something that's kind of cool um, here and then when they show up later as well, the area where they're at is always kind of corrupted with crystals too. Yeah. So you can kind of tell um, a little bit before they show up that they're around. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, they also, they do an attack that uh, kind of shoots crystals up from the ground. Mm -hmm. um, I was terrified to touch those because I <laughs> was thinking of Seath, yep. but they just break. Yeah. Uh, just hit them. Yeah. So don't be scared of those things like I was. Yeah. I love the return of crystals in this game, actually. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it looks really cool. And uh, I love that uh, Ice Magic made an appearance. Oh, yeah. So finally, finally, Cryomancy, like I've been <laughs> begging for forever. Yeah. Um, um, so oh, also, on the, the graveyard, on the way but, in, uh, on the way into here, you have to walk through a little uh, patch of deep water, which uh, mm -hmm. shows you how that influences your uh, your movement. Yeah. And there's no uh, rust iron ring. As far as I know. Yeah. So deep water is always going to be a pain in the dick. Yeah. Uh, so after you get past the graveyard, you get to the Ashen Cliff, this little cliffside area, uh, that you can kind of look up at these parapets um, of this gigantic walled castle. And uh, 
for infinity around you outside of that, there's just kind of snowy mountains. Mm-hmm. Or is it uh, ash? Ooh. Oh, hey, yeah. It is uh, it's very beautiful, though. Yeah. Um, the kind of gorgeous view ahead kind of thing <laughs> holds true in this game. Yeah. Uh, skyboxes, man. Skyboxes. Yeah. This oh, game yeah. has this, tremendous this game, skyboxes. It has my favorite skybox in gaming, yeah. which we'll, we'll get to. <laughs> in several months. Yes. <laughs> um, and in the distance, we have our uh, our kind of Disneyland castle. Uh, we have this uh, mostly intact building that's sticking out of this outcropping uh, that rises mm-hmm. up almost as high as the uh, the walled castle that we see around um, that we you know, that we look up to. Um, and that is uh, that is where we're going to be heading right now. Yes. So you rest here and you get a gesture uh, by setting at the bonfire. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get our first bonfire. And then, uh, you know, similar to every Souls game, if you go down, there's some fire bombs kind of on a ledge. Uh, this is introducing you to um, a guy with a spear mm-hmm. here who's guarding, uh, who's being covered by a guy with a crossbow. Yeah. So they're introducing, um, and there's a general kind of ramping up of the tactical complexity here uh, in this tutorial area that was not in previous games. Um, you know, in in Fire Air, in uh, The Undead Asylum, there wasn't uh, this kind of like characters covering each other like this. Um, it was, this is harder. Yeah. Um, not that it's hard, like it's very easy, but it is, uh, it feels like the difficulty is starting at a little bit higher point mm-hmm. uh, than previously, and yeah. it is assuming some previous knowledge of the series yeah. to kind of be successful. Like, so in previous games, they would have probably introduced something like this a little bit later on. Uh, they mm-hmm. wouldn't have done it right out the gate uh, with a very narrow walkway uh, that you can just fall off of as you're trying to worry about not being hit by either of them. They would they would have introduced it in their equivalent of the Undead Berg, and they do that in Dark Souls 1. Whereas our equivalent of the dark undead Berg is actually like pretty tough. <laughs> um, it does not feel like a tutorial area at all No, uh, when we get there. So, yeah. Um, so you eventually walk down into this uh, large circular arena, right? You know, we have this terrifying tree off to the left with exposed roots. It's kind of growing out of the side of a cliff. And again, we have that steep drop off into the beautiful mountains at the right. And at the center, we have, uh, you know, some water and this knight who is kind of like kneeled down and it's got this large, uh, pole arm, uh, that has kind of like some spirals on it and, uh, this massive undulating tentacles on his back. And he is skewered with this spiral sword. Yes. And uh, as soon as I saw this, I tried to go past him. Me and too. Couldn't. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to have okay. to pull that fucking sword. <laughs> like, obviously, <laughs> this is a boss. And yep. uh, we're introduced to probably the hardest first boss fight in a game uh, in, uh, in, the, in Dark Souls. Um, yeah. Udix Grunder. I mean, given that there isn't one in Bloodborne, really. Yeah, like I was the, trying to, other than that werewolf, but that's that's more like the optional kind of crystal lizard thing. Yeah, um, yeah, and I guess uh, uh, a lot of people had uh, had trouble with uh, the cleric beast, but like this right here, it is it is a very harsh awakening back to a Dark Souls style boss fight. Yes, and uh, and it the fact that it is the hardest tutorial boss uh, really again hits that the thesis statement that things are going to be tough because the equivalent of the Taurus demon that we're going to get to in the next episode is significantly tougher than the Taurus demon. <laughs> like the, this is, this is a hard game. Um, 
so yeah so this guy uh let's before we talk about the fight what is he um he is a tall man <laughs> he's a, t- he's a tall man he he's hatless? got brown hair yeah he's 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 a the, you know you pull the sword that made a, a man out of mac um so he's a he's a big boy with a big weapon um and uh, oh, not another he, one of these yes which, which is good you know you think you're just doing a duel which like i'm always going to be down for a duel um and the first part of it is pretty manageable yeah um you know he telegraphs his moves uh very very clearly he can be parried mm-hmm. um i love you know, parrying this guy it's so parrying fun bosses is, is the best yeah. uh um the uh he's pretty easy yeah. to get around get to get to get around um and uh, that is kind of offset a little bit by the fact that uh his attacks can reach around behind him he is like a bloodborne boss fight in that uh it knows it, it he knows he's you that you're going to try and get behind him and uh they yes. have like a way to reach around toward you yeah a lot a lot of uh bosses and enemies have just kind of a 360 yeah. attack radius on these things or like a 270 yeah. um so uh and if everything's going well, you're fighting this guy, you think it's fine. And it's like, oh, it's like Dragon Riders, no big deal. <laughs> and uh, you get halfway through, and uh, the game turns into Resident Evil. <laughs> this, um, like, I uh, I laughed so hard when this happened, because remember those tentacles that we saw kind of sticking out of his back when we thought he was a statue? Um, they explode into what I can only describe as a tur- Turdranosaurus Rex. Sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, it it is a big kind of amalgamation of like goop and reptile mm-hmm. and kind of abyss juice and uh, you know tyrant like yeah. William Birkin kind of <laughs> stuff. Um, I laughed a lot too. Uh, I don't like the the way these things look They're... like in general, and we're gonna run into them more. But like this, I think that they look too like plasticine and shoggoth like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wish that they looked more biological and less goopy. Yeah, these have a uh, these have an awesome name in the guide. Uh, this is called the Puss of Man. Yeah, that is <laughs> that is real good. Uh, this is that that seed bed that those pilgrims have the the thing on their back to prevent. Yes. If uh, if it's the same thing that the uh, the cleric armor set that we get later, <laughs> the reason why they have a ninja turtle shell on their back um, <laughs> is to stop this from happening. Yeah. Um, yeah, so and this totally changes the fight. It does, and it like makes him very difficult to hit too, because even though he is this gigantic top-heavy thing, he's still walking around on um, Udix Grunder's body. Um, <laughs> Udix, and Udix, when you saw Udix Grunder, did you think it was like a Star Wars name, like a <laughs> shitty Star Wars name? A little bit. Like I thought Udix Grunder. <laughs> I, like, I saw Udix, and I thought like, oh, that 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 sounds Latin as fuck, and it is. Yeah. Udix means yeah. judge. Uh, yes. But... And Grunder is the part between your Grundle and your butthole. <laughs> so, like the uh, it's the ledge. As you, it, it, it's like it's like Grunder's like paradox. Like every point between that and halfway between that and halfway between that has a different name. <laughs> uh, Grunder's paradox. You can actually never quite get to the Grundle. You can only get halfway there. <laughs> now tell also, me about the Grundle of Theseus. Well, the other, <laughs> the other here's here's the alternative. I was gonna say is what's good for the Grundle is good for the Grunder. Uh, <laughs> like I don't, I didn't have a way to fit that in. But it is, it is a true as the day it was written. So. <laughs> oh, and the and the ancient scrolls. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so um, he's got that part. Uh, he also has this hand that is kind of growing out. It's like this pale skeletal looking thing that uh, does does quicker attacks. But mostly this thing. Um, again, it looks it looks like a big piece of shit um is uh just kind of doing these smashing attacks at you yeah and and it can't be really overemphasized what you're saying about getting hard to be get close to it because mm-hmm. 
because it, it doesn't have any kind of anatomy that you can recognize, it's really hard to kind of, to predict which direction these attacks are coming from. <laughs> it's hard to tell so, what can hurt. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. What is just going to be it undulating and what's going to be uh, an attack and actually be a hurt box? Like, mm -hmm. again, you know, no need to start. Like, I, I love Dark Souls 3. Uh, I don't I don't like this, mm -hmm. this, uh, this second boss. I would have preferred it to be like a tougher duel than to have it be Gubak. Uh, I don't really like fighting the goobacks hmm. in the in this game, which boy, that sounds like a slur. And I, <laughs> it was used as a slur in a, in a uh, South Park episode. Oh, geez. Yeah, um, yeah. I didn't didn't mean uh, didn't mean it that way. Whatever <laughs> we want to call these things, this, these puss of man mm -hmm. uh, things. Like I don't really like the way they look, and I don't really like the way they play. Yeah. Um, it's you know, because of that because it is so hard to even say tell which direction they're facing. That moment you of know? surprise is great. I wish that. You you could keep that moment of surprise, but have the uh, but have the thing maintain a recognizable silhouette. It's a little bit of like the like the beast problem uh, mm -hmm. from Bloodborne, a little bit. Just that yeah. like I can't I can't read this to like to know what the situation is, whether it's going to hurt me or whether it's presenting uh, a vulnerability. Yes, and that, that's really my problem. And before again, before uh, <laughs> anyone freaks out over me not liking, this, I don't I think. think that, I think you. Yeah, I think you only have to say that once. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, I still hear about it though. Yeah. I still like some like people still give me shit about like you know quote unquote hating Bloodborne. Hmm. Um, the uh, I think the Dark Souls three uh, on average has the strongest group of bosses in the series. Oh yeah, um, these are my favorite bosses. So on average, there's nothing I quite like as much as Artorias, but on average, I think this is the strongest set. I was just bummed out that the first one is just a big goo beast monster. Yeah. Um, I think that kind of sucks. Mm -hmm. um, eventually you kill him. Yep. Um, yeah. You know, it took me a couple tries. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it took me fewer tries than I thought. Like I thought that like either this was going to be optional and the trick was going to be to figure out how to get around it or that I was mm. just done. I knew I wasn't done. Like I have to beat this game, but yes. um, it is, it's discouraging. Um, yeah. And I, I can't put myself in the, in the headspace of somebody who is a, who is a souls uh, newcomer um, facing this for the first time and then getting past it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love when you, when you, when you kill it, the, uh, the, the, the chaos stuff or the abyss stuff sucks back into his back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, and you get this item from him. He drops that coiled sword that you pulled out, mm -hmm. um, which powers the shrine bonfire. And it yes. is only, uh, it is only given to the ash that the, uh, Udex, uh, judges worthy. Yes. And, uh, you know, <laughs> and Grunder is the champion who acts as its scabbard. Yes. Which is super cool and evocative. Yeah. Uh, and that kind of tells us what we need to know about this guy. Yeah. You know, like he is he is explicitly a test, mm -hmm. um, you know, in Dark Souls one, it was a warden. Um, you know, this guy is actually he's testing us and we pass, yeah. you know, um, and head on up to this uh, the shrine that we see in the, the background. Yeah. So this is a beautiful kind of ascent uh, to the shrine um, as we uh, as we go through the massive broken door um, and look up. We have kind of this uh, these beams of gray light filtering down from the cloud. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, it feels like, uh, like, like God rays, except like, what, what would the, there is no God rays. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the rays uh, of cold indifference. Yes. Um, as you kind of like walk up to this, um, and, uh, you fight some more grave wardens, you find your first homeward bone here. And what do you think of the change to homeward bone? I love it. Uh, the change to homeward bone. Um, you know, that lets you, uh, well, this is kind of generally like that lets you just go back to the, uh, yeah. the regular shrine. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's really useful. I mean, again, mm -hmm. it just saves you a step because you yes. can do it. But everything they can do to like to reduce decrease that friction. the time tax, yeah, yeah is uh, is useful. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, into it. Yeah. 
So you're proceeding up this uh, up these multiple paths and uh, staircases uh, t- toward the shrine. Um, and uh, let's do some of the stuff that's around the outside of it right now. Off mm-hmm. to the right, we find our dog enemy. Um, they just look so happy to see you. They're gross. <laughs> I think they're gross. I think they're hard to like see what's going on with their anatomy as well. Yep. Um, one of those things where I wish I had like a better guide where I'd have like a really nice big blown up picture of these things mm-hmm. uh, so I could actually see them. But um, dogs are going to be a thing in this game. I rolled uh, for my second playthrough, a pyromancer. Um, they react really, really violently to fire. Mm. And uh, so does uh, so does uh, Gundra or Grunder. Mm-hmm. Um, if you uh, if you hit him with a fireball when he's in that second phase, he freaks out. Yeah. Um, and that is kind of good to know at this point. Yeah. Um, a surprisingly uh, large number of enemies in this game are very weak to fire. Yeah. I, uh, I rolled Pyromancer the first time, and it, I, I feel like it made things a little bit easier for me. Yeah. It's a, it's still a good starting class. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah so, you, so you run into this pupper. Um, the pupper acts like dogs do in Dark Souls. Um, something I was thinking about when, when playing this is like such a, a funny action that is conceivable in real life but never happens. But the idea of being in real life and a dog trying to bite you and you neglecting or uh, reflecting its bite with a shield (laughs) is very funny to me. Like you could literally do that in real life. Like a dog could try to bite you. You could put up a shield. Yeah, like a like a like a trash can lid or something. I'm sure. Yeah. And the dog tries to bite the shield. It's teeth (laughs) at the shield. It bounces back. And then you could like, you know, spank the pup. Um, Yeah. I I just got sad. Uh, These are bad dogs. Yeah, these are these are bad, bad puppies, bad, bad puppies. Yeah. Um, over here, you find your first uh, your first kind of humanity item, the ember. Um, and I love yes. the description on this, talking about uh, how since no unkindled can truly claim the ember, um, it makes the yearning for the warmth ever so keen. Yes. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um, so more more caskets, more uh, just kind of general yep. Bloodborne-esque environment fill. Gigantic building-sized caskets sticking out of the yep. side yeah. of, the, yep. uh, of the hill. And there, there's kind of an optional mini boss to the left. Uh, guarding is kind of a fuck you guarding a door you can't enter um, that doesn't <laughs> yeah. open from the side. Uh, but there, there's a guy called uh, it, it's the master or the sword master sword here. Master. Yeah. His, sword master. His gear is called the uh, the master set, and it's great because it talks about how everybody has a, a story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's actually like it, it's good. This is a this is a goofy fucking game. Yep. Um, the uh, the item description on his armor is great because it says uh, you know when everyone has a story about how uh, they're great in battle. Like this, these, uh, you know, shredded rags, you could say that you dodged and the sword actually passed through them, you know, like it's only shredded because, you know, I barely got hit by swords, not because I like, you know, wearing torn up fucking underoos with no elastic and <laughs> sleeveless tees. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this guy, he's tough. He's another guy I have to come back and beat later. Uh, but uh, you might want to beat him because if you slay him, his Uchigatana is yours, which makes yes. uh, dex builds very viable from the get. Yeah. And uh, other than that, you don't get anything really mm-hmm. for fighting him other than his clothes, but it is, uh, you can do so. And he's kind of, when you say another, like, unkindled, like, these are kind of the, uh, there's going to be a couple of just kind of humans about mm-hmm. they are going to fight. And I feel like with more frequency than in, in previous games, yeah, uh, where there are more things that are not explicitly invasions, they just feel like, you know, they feel like invasions. So it's like uh, hunter fights. Those felt like invasions yes. too. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot, there are a lot more of that kind of thing, hunter fights, than there were in Dark Souls 2 or 1. Um, and then you, you go into this building and you get like a real big, Oh shit. Okay. Um, <laughs> you, you, get a, you get a title screen or a title yes. card that, uh, reads fire link shrine. Yes. Which like, again, like I, I don't understand. I don't really, I can't conceive of the person who is playing this without playing dark souls one. Right. Uh, and I feel like the people who made this game can't conceive of that either. <laughs> uh, cause so much relies on the emotional baggage that you have to these, 
these names and kind of references. Yeah. Um, and here it's early on enough where it really worked. Like I was just, mm. what the fuck? Like, um, wait that's a crazy. Minute. This is yeah. not like a blasted out flooded place perched on the side of a mountain. Well, it kind of, wait, this doesn't make it. It's the Nexus, isn't it? Wait a minute. No. What? Well, Am that, I back again? Thing. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's called the Firelink Shrine, but it looks a lot like the Nexus. Yes. If you, if you look down to where you fought a uh, Grunder, uh, that looks more like Firelink Shrine. Yes. Uh, Allison pointed that out. Um, this looks like the Nexus, mm-hmm. which is cool because the Nexus is great. No. Yeah, so it's uh, it's it's like if they had decided to build the Nexus on top of the ruins of Fire Lake Shrine. If it is yeah. indeed the same place, we have an amazing uh, listener's mail in the uh, in the in the appendix, which you'll hear next week, that speaks to some of the translation uh, issues mm. around this. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So you you uh, get down there, and there is a woman uh, who kind of looks like a, uh, a white white dressed version of the maiden in black. Um, her eyes are also occluded um, with with clothing this time rather than wax. Yeah. And uh, and she's wearing a crown, and it's similar to the one we saw at the end of the opening cinematic. It's her yeah. putting that on. Yeah. She's tall. She has uh, light gray hair that's in this single massive braid. Uh, she looks like uh, kind of a combination or, uh, you know, like what would your kids look like between the uh, the Maiden in Black and the uh, the uh, simple doll or the plain doll from Bloodborne? Yes. Yeah. 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 And, and, uh, and yeah. her dialogue is just a mashup of all of those. <laughs> Yep. So let's uh we'll we'll go ahead and put that in right here. Welcome to the bonfire, unkindled one. I'm a firekeeper. I tend to the flame and tend to thee. The lords have left their thrones and must be delivered to them. To this end I am at thy side. Ashen One, to be unkindled is to be a vessel for souls. Sovereignless souls will become thy strength. I will show thee how. Ashen One, bring me souls plucked from their vessels. Yeah, so so we don't really know much about her until kind of the end. Right. Um, so it's hard to speak to her as an NPC at this point. Right. And her dialogue is very, like, uh, it's very slight. For yes. much of the game, I kept talking to her, expecting to get kind of a couple paragraphs out of her, and it doesn't happen. Right. Um, she stops talking to you real quick. People, mm-hmm. NPCs, kind of clam up <laughs> early in this in this area. Yeah. Um. So up until that point, she really just is your uh, your level up um, helper. Uh, when mm-hmm. you when you go to level up, she tells you to uh, reach out and touch the dark to touch the dark within her. Yes. Um, and uh, she gives you the mission, kind of like the Emerald Herald or, um, you know, the Maiden in Black telling you that uh, these these five thrones that you see, um, and, you know, when, that you saw when you walked in, uh, the, uh, the the lords have abandoned them and we, we need you to bring them back. So you are a cosmic bail bondsman. Yeah. Yeah. You're Dog the Bunny Hunter. You're Pup <laughs> the bunny, bunny Hunter. Yep. Um, when you uh, when you level up. She still has dialogue that's not subtitled. Right. Uh, just, she kind of mutters to herself. Yeah, it is this uh, this kind of prayer for the souls that she uh, that, that she utters in the background as you are picking your stats. Yes. Um, yeah. And it is, uh, it let these souls withdraw from their vessels, uh, you know, demon souls. Mm-hmm. Uh, manifestation of disparity, uh, elucidated by fire, burrow deep within me. Retreating to a darkness beyond the reach of flame, let them assume a new master, inhabiting ash, casting themselves upon new forms. Yeah. Inhabiting Ash, that's me. Yeah, I'm Ash. Got to catch them all. <laughs> got to catch all the lords and bring them back in their little pokeballs. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
when you know, you have this coiled sword, you have to use this on the bonfire in the center of the, the shrine to uh, to continue the game. That took me forever to figure out because that prompt only shows up at certain angles to that. Yeah. So I was walking all the way around this place looking for someplace I could I could embed it because the first two angles I tried didn't show it. Well, you probably also didn't think that like the the hub area was going to be an interdimensional like zone. Oh yeah. You know, like there's nothing really to imply that the the structure that you see off in the distance mm-hmm. um, from where you're at, like it could it looks like from a distance it could contain more. Yes. You know, like you could you could kind of go down and and see like a city down there or what have you, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's it's real weird, right? Yeah. Like it's weird that this is not actually when we go to the next level, which we're not going to do in this episode, but when we actually head there, like you teleport there. Yeah. There is no uh, space continuity. There's no land between yeah. here and the rest of the game. Yep. So if you walked into this saying, oh, Firelink Shrine, that's going to connect me to this place and then to this place. No, no, it, it is it is functionally uh, even more similar to the Nexus than like Majula, where yes. you know you didn't warp out of Majula. You just kind of like walked over these continental continental divides. And and because this looked like the, the Nexus, I thought that like, okay, every time I kill one of these lords, it's going to give me a coiled sword that is going to take me to another land. No. Like I did not expect it to be the kind of uh, the long straight shot that it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, something we didn't really make that big of a point about in the, uh, in the, in the intro there is that Lothric, this, uh, the, the, this place where we're at, it is kind of the, 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 the place where all of the lands of the Lords who, uh, Lords of Cinder kind of churned towards. Yes. Um, they converge yeah. here. Yes. So it's like that one place where you can stand in four states at once. Yeah. And you can flip a coin if your husband is dealing math <laughs> and see which state you should move to. Yep. The, uh. But it, yeah, it's it's like that. Like it's like the corner of the these these different kingdoms, or they're drawn to it. Yeah. Um, so somehow can't decide if it's churny, warny, or what. Yeah, yeah. We we have to come up with our our rhymey thing, and I, <laughs> other than like fan servicey wervicey, because uh, <laughs> I want to say something a little cumbersome. Actually, yeah, and also like something about the actual game. But there's something going on if it's not timey wimey or dimensiony wenchiny or spacey wacy. Like yeah. I, I think it might yeah. be reality wality or something yeah, like that. Something, just also yeah. a little. A little, a little cumbersome as well, but there's Abyss, something Abyssy going on. Wissy, yeah. Yeah, something going on. Yeah. Um, so let's talk uh, the NPCs that are here now. As uh, previously mentioned, just to reiterate, we'll be coming back and talking about the NPCs as they arrive here. Yes. Um, but for now, let's talk about the ones that, that come with the place. Yeah. Well, I mean, every... Samples of Tide. <laughs> yep. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the coupons from the post office yeah. uh, that they get by selling your uh, information to companies. Um, mm. No. Um, so every uh, hub world comes standard with, uh, with a crestfallen. Uh, this yes. one has a name. Uh, well, I suppose Salnir did too, um, or yeah. Salden uh, did as well. Uh, this is Deserter Hawkwood. Yes, and uh, and he's a real bummer. Um, he is, you know, uh, we unkindled are worthless, can't even die right. Uh, you know, they expect us to go find the Lords of Cinders. Pff, what a joke! You know, he, he is, says it gives him conniptions. Yeah, he is. Uh, later, he says you should go do something if you have the stones for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's him. It's either him or uh, or Badfinger or whatever his name is. Um, the um, and and I love uh, I love the like colloquialisms, yeah. uh, the kind of slang that end up in uh, in Souls games when that happens. Mm-hmm. It is always funny. Yeah. Um, this guy actually has a quest, yeah. which we'll get into eventually. Uh, but that's that's new. Yeah, you know, uh, um, he, he has a history. Like he is related to one of the factions we're gonna find. Yeah, which is really interesting. Um, that that's a first. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. And uh, much like the uh, uh, the crestfallen from Dark Souls 1, he kind of doubts the mission. He doesn't straight up say, like, oh, they, they, they mentioned one bell, but it's two bells. But, you know, he is saying, like, as if we, people who couldn't even die right, who won't even burn, could ever think to take down these lords, who he really, like, he's discouraged because of their greatness. Yes. Is, uh, and is, he is describes the them. Yeah, when when he will, uh, if you come back and check in with this guy, he'll describe the different lords yeah. from time to time, and uh, he admires them even when they're monstrous. Yeah, um, which is kind of interesting. Like he is impressed by power, yeah. and that actually kind of plays into uh, his quest line mm-hmm. when we get into it, which is super cool. Um, these uh, the thing we didn't really mention about this is there are five thrones around the middle, and uh, this is where we're going to return these lords. But there's one of them that actually has a lord in it which I missed for a long time. Me too. Um, I, I'm embarrassed about it. Even even when I got the, uh, well, because you're supposed to be empty, right? And he's so tiny. He's such a little fella. He, he is a tiny little pupper. And they tell you that they're empty. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't find it until after I already got the item that he wants. Is that what you were going to say? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that. Like, it, even even like, it, it was a while after that, actually. Yeah, I, I was embarrassed when I when I found out about it. My roommate who, who had been, I don't know if he just noticed it or he was like reading wikis, but he's just like, yeah, you just give it to him. And I was like, give it to who? Was and, he always there? He, yeah. And I was like, oh, oh, shit. And then I went on my second playthrough. I noticed him because mm-hmm. uh, he is tiny and there is, uh, and this is, I recognize this probably more my problem than anything else, but current console generation, there is a visual noise thing mm-hmm. that I don't know if it's interacting with my colorblindness in a weird way, but it is harder for me to pick things out on the PS4 than it has been in, on any previous this uh, console generation this area too with the lighting there are npcs who just were tucked away in corners or hidden mm-hmm. in a shadow or were interacting with ge- geometry that was as complex or more complex than them that they mm-hmm. that they do get lost against as a person who can see um most of the infrared and ultraviolet spectrum um life mm-hmm. is a, a swirl of hellish colors for me um i, I still have that problem yeah yeah um, but, uh, but yeah, this is, this is Ludleth of Corland. Um, yes. and I had to look up to see if Corland was a land that we knew about. And I don't think it is. It's not. Yeah. yeah. Corland's new. Um, this guy has a real goofy way of talking. Yes. Um, he, he's real, really leans into those, these and those and like mm-hmm. Yoda speak. Yeah. Um, is but Ludleth is a badass. Yeah. <laughs> he's so great because, you know, of the Lords of Cinder. So a, he has already undertaken the quest and done it despite the, you know, despite his uh, poor stature, but also he's the only person who like understands his inheritance. Like he knows what his duty is. Right. Yeah. So even the, you know, despite the fact that his, uh, his legs don't work, he invites you like, Hey, look upon my withered corpse. Should, should we say what a Lord of Cinder is? Oh, like it's, it's said at the beginning. Yeah. I mean like, but it, spell it out in non dark souls uh like spell it out in plain language yeah let's do that you know, as it relates yeah yeah uh, the, the lords of cinder are people who link the flame yep uh previous to this um so these are you know this is explicitly dark souls one as we mentioned it is a sequel um to dark souls one directly people who link the flame in the past become these lords of cinder mm-hmm. and uh and they're they're needed again they're getting the a-team back together yeah and this is the only this is murdoch <laughs> and murdoch's back because he's a wild card that's Lula. <laughs> yep. and uh fucking hannibal is uh is out there partying in the profane capital (laughs) yeah so you know you need five lords to kind of reenact this uh this initial kindling to uh to keep it going um uh, like in in, like eight months i'm going to talk about that yeah that is uh (laughs) that's really really important to my interpretation of the ending where i'm at now yeah so um, but you talk to him and he says like, yes, I know what my purpose is. And he has an amazing line. I think one of my favorites in the series, I may be, but small, but I will die a Colossus. Yep. 
fuck yeah, man. Uh, greater good. Um, eventually, uh, once we find an item for him, he will become our boss soul vendor. Yeah. Um, he will uh, turn boss souls, he calls them twisted souls, into uh, toys for us. Yeah. Which is great. Not yet. Um, when you first come in, the entire time you're in here, you're hearing this uh, blacksmith hammer Ting. that has a, has a Pavlovian kind of feel Ting. to it. And uh, in the distance, you see the, the shock of hair. And you're like, oh, wait, does that? Oh, that's Andre. And so I had that. <laughs> And and this this is very early, but this might have been the point where I was like, okay, yeah, something's uh, up. Somebody's trying to pull yeah. some wool over my eyes. Like something, yeah, something's trying to pull some wool over my eyes. And like, why is this person here? <laughs> and then I still don't know. Yeah, um, it is. Yeah. So other than just to feel good about our old buddy being back, like same, yeah. we got the voice actor back. It feels <laughs> good. Um, it does feel good. Yes. You know. Um. So here's Andre. Uh, <laughs> he is very similar. To Andre from Dark Souls 1. Yeah. Andre 3,000 years later. Yes. <laughs> yep. Andre 3,000. Um, <laughs> he is, uh, so he has a couple new verbs, but story-wise, there's nothing. Um, right. He, uh, so he can reinforce your flask. He can change your ratio. He can infuse items and reinforce items. And uh, and that's him. Yeah. That's what he does. If you kill him, which you shouldn't do, if you kill him, he doesn't mind. He comes back, but he'll stop building, making things for you. Right. And you have to uh, do kind of a convoluted thing to get him back. So don't do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. On the way to Andre, um, you have the Shrine Handmaid, who is our who is our merchant. And she is very reminiscent of the Fire Keepers from 2. Actually. Yes. I mean, I think that she is. Like, she looks the same and she has the same voice yeah. um, here. Yeah. And uh, she has a little bit more kind of dialogue, a little bit more meat to her. But still, you know, she kind of clams up pretty early. Mm -hmm. um, her whole function and kind of the way that merchants work in this game is that uh, if you bring her uh, umbral ashes from different locations, it will expand her inventory. Yeah, which um, I get the sense she uses that to grow them. Like she talks about them in terms of like, oh, this will make great fertilizer for the new items. Um, but what that means is the umbral ashes kind of act like the badges from uh, from Bloodborne a little bit. Yes. And it's very weird, the idea that, because there are things that will happen later where there are umbral ashes that are explicitly belong to characters. Mm -hmm. And the idea that, that this person can use my ashes to, like, create things and sell things that I liked <laughs> is really weird. Um, you know, like, you could, you could take my take me, uh, you know, cremate Gary, and then uh, give my ashes to this lady, and then she could, like, make you a roars. And that, that's real weird. <laughs> But that's that's more or less how how yeah. she works. Somebody could somebody could steal my urn, take take me to her, and then just grow some maker's mark. Yeah, yeah. it's just weird, super yeah. weird. Um, she has the uh, you know the bike and the uh, the the ticket center kind of <laughs> item. She has a she has a bell tower key for twenty thousand souls, <laughs> um, which is expensive at this point. Uh, again, calling back to that uh, that seal from uh, Dark Souls One, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, let's let, let's see here. So if you buy this key, which we're going to talk about the area that unlocks because you can get there. You just have to mm -hmm. save up for it. If you buy this key, it is uh, it is for the tower out back, which we kind of saw. It's the it juts out, um, uh, not up above where, you know, where, where, where we can get now, but um, pretty high. It's a way into the, the, the secret attic here. Uh, the description yes. talks about uh, this bell tower being the grave of Firekeeper's past. And when a Firekeeper has served her purpose, she is led to true darkness where she enjoys a long-deserved sleep, which sounds benign enough. Yeah, but we'll, we'll see. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll see very briefly. Nothing uh, could go soon. wrong here. Nothing could go wrong. <laughs> this couldn't be macabre. Uh, so on the second, this, uh, this shrine has kind of a second layer you can move up to. If you leave on the right on the upper floor, um, you can see a, a dead giant 
yeah. um, from from Dark Souls 2, which will sometimes drop a uh, Tree of the Seed of Giants, which is a, a really cool PvP item mm-hmm. that returns from Dark Souls 2. Yeah, you get like um, a 10% I, chance of it dropping one after an invasion. So it, it's, oh, okay. it's worth a shot, like coming back and checking it, because those are fun, again, for adding chaos to what is what already feels pretty chaotic to me. Yes. Um, and uh, you can see um, on the roof there is a tantalizing ladder that has not been kicked <laughs> down. Uh, the correct way is to go up this tower. You can actually abuse the geometry by jumping up this tree. Um, I did that today for the first time. Uh, here's your pro tip. If you are playing along with us, uh, do that. Hmm. Um, the treasure you get from it is so worth it and makes a big difference in the beginning of the game. Oh, yeah. Um, you can't recognize, uh, get all of the treasure. You can't uh, get to everything that uh, we're going to get to by going through the tower. But you do get an Estus shard, which uh, gives you an extra Estus use, and the uh, silver covetous serpent ring, which, like, imagine having that before you leave Pyrelink. <laughs> like, that's yeah. incredible. That's going to add up to, you know, so many souls. Yeah. Uh, so so do that. It is easier than you maybe think. Um, it's an investment is, in your future. <laughs> yes. Um, angle yourself at about 45 degrees from the roof and run up the tree at the joint of the roots mm. um, towards the roof. Don't uh, yeah. Don't try to run away from the tree and then turn in that way uh, madness lies <laughs> so towards the roof or at the joint of the two roots like at, at the, the junction of the y and you will get up there yeah can you find a find a video of that to put in the show notes yeah, cool. yeah. i mean i'll try to find a useful one like the vi- first video i saw uh, which i think was uh, was body's uh, video on it uh, the way he did it was kind of turning mid mid run and that mm. didn't work for me okay i had to find a different one so i'll, I'll see if i can find one that did that has shows my method yeah But yeah, you can use the key to unlock this tower and you go up a spiral staircase and then you can cross over back to the main building. Um, And uh, this takes you to a bell tower, which uh, is definitely the bell from the uh, from the opening cinematic, like the bell Mm -hmm. that tolls to uh, to call the Lord's back is over top of Firelink Shrine. Um, And uh, beneath the, the the knocker of the bell, you find a firekeeper soul. Yes. And uh, yeah, this is no longer a consumable like it was in Dark Souls 1. Um, this is actually something uh, that you can give to the firekeeper um, as an item to get a little bit more di- uh, dialogue and let her absorb something called your your dark sigils, uh, which is something we don't like is a is a poorly explained mechanic, mm-hmm. um, as poorly explained as humanity is in Dark Souls One, um, hollowing is in this game. Yeah, and uh, we will get to it when it becomes a factor and we can do it. Yeah, um, which will be in uh, you know very soon, like two uh, two more areas. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this, uh, the description here is kind of interesting. Uh, this is a soul of a firekeeper who is said to have returned from the abyss. Uh, this firekeeper preserves the bonfire and serves as champion. She is said to have soothed and accepted the dark sigil, which has tainted her soul, and yet her soul one day embed itself in the bosom of another firekeeper. Yeah. So, like, we know who it's going to embed itself in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know who this is. Neither do I. My closest guest was the uh, was the uh, Emerald Herald. But that's... Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that there's not a whole lot of abyss stuff with her in in two. Yeah. Um, it's just because we don't have very many, you know, uh, firekeepers we know about. Mm-hmm. You know, and none of them are closely related to the abyss. Right. Uh, so I don't know who this is supposed to be, yeah. and it's in contrast because we're gonna find another item that specifically talks about a firekeeper, and I do know who that's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. So this is, uh, yeah, very much like it could be just another hero, like you know somebody from ages past who, yeah, it's not supposed to represent anybody we know. But Dark Souls Three doesn't take, uh, doesn't waste any opportunity to say, hey, remember when? Yeah. So that's why that that that's why this is giving me fits. Yeah. It. it, This is the exception in that it references something new. Um. There's this this little bridge that we crossed there. We can actually jump down to get on the roof, 
And uh, we can kick down a ladder uh, that provides a shortcut to our crows mm -hmm. uh, for this game, which uh, I think are very funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, they're, they're up there on the rafters. You find the nest. Uh, their names are Pickle Pea and Pumper Rum, which I constantly say Pumper Rump. Oh, yeah. Uh, but uh, I, I got this from the Fexter Life wiki, but uh, that's a reference to a poem by James Reeves called the uh, called the Ceremonial Band. And those names are supposed to represent the sounds of a piccolo, uh, that is Pickle P, uh, which just sounds horribly obscene. And then Pumper Rump, uh, which is supposed to sound like a drum, also yeah. obscene. Pickle P. Like, <laughs> like when my mom was pregnant with me, she had a craving for Pickle P. Oh. And used to drink jars of it. The um, <laughs> It is a... So these guys, it is kind of a downgrade, I feel like, from the last crows because there's nothing to indicate what they want. Right. This is this is straight up Demon Souls style, like make some guesses or just <laughs> give up and look at the wiki because this is tedious as shit. I mean, it happens immediately, like in Dark Souls 2. Mm -hmm. It's not like you have to reset the game um, like you did in Demon Souls, but it's not like shiny and smooth, right. you know, which was nice because I know what things are shiny and smooth. Yeah. Um, and it would always have that in the item description to help yeah. you. Here, it's like, I don't know what uh, what items were called a pickle pea. Yeah. So Dark Souls... <laughs> <laughs> so Dark Souls uh, Two is kind of like a slot machine. You just had certain items that had you that gave you a better chance of giving of getting better stuff out of them. But like you could give them something and then just get like the old whip, which would change your yeah. game. Um, yes. Here it is like Dark Souls One, where certain items uh, map to certain things, and a bunch of this is pretty good stuff. Yeah, and a lot of it is like kind of weird hidden fan servicey stuff too. Yeah, like just like armor that you maybe don't want to wear but looks familiar, so that feels good. Yeah, um, look up a guide. Yep. Like just look it up online and just, you know, see if there's anything you want and then work for it. Go um, go into uh, incognito mode before you put in pump or rump. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> or, or pickle pee. Um, you know, cause pickles kind of look like, yeah. Yeah. Um, at the, uh, the far end of this thing, when you, uh, get in there, so there's a, uh, well, you can get up in the roof first. There's these rafters, mm -hmm. uh, that you get in when you're inside. That's where you get the uh, Estes shard at the end of these rafters. There is an illusory wall. Uh, that people put notes by, which is very useful. Mm -hmm. And that's how you go down and get the covetous silver serpent ring, um, which is just amazing yeah. uh, to get that right off the game. Uh, and there's an elevator that goes down, um, but there is kind of like a little glowing soul item that teaches you that you can go down uh, from here rather than take the elevator and find some hidden stuff. Yeah. Um, so the elevator is actually one that goes up to the to, to the to oh, the yeah, uh, yeah. To, to to the bell tower. You're correct. Um, yeah. yeah, this is uh, the like, and you know, looking off of the walkway that leads to the elevator, uh, you kind of see this uh, this big drop. It's this gigantic shaft uh, that's uh, kind of similar to like uh, two two a little bit, um, mm -hmm. except uh, you know you see some items that tell you, hey, you can probably make this drop. Um, I didn't make this drop until much later because these are very small targets to hit. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, I didn't come here until I could afford the the key. Yeah. But you can. I mean, just just run. So the <laughs> trick, like a lot of the things in Dark Souls, where you're trying to get to something below you, the trick is to run off the ledge rather than jump off the ledge. Yeah. Um, so if you run off the ledge, pointing at the right space here, you'll you'll land on it. Hmm. Um, it is a deadly fall if you don't make it though. Yeah. Um, this game has kind of harsher fall damage than one, but not quite as as harsh as two, mm -hmm. which is ameliorated by the fact that there's no silver cat ring that I could find. Mm -hmm. um, there is a spell, there's fall control that the assassin class starts with. Uh, but the, uh, yeah. Yeah. So falling is a thing. Mm -hmm. uh, the item that you see um, kind of in the outcropping there is the firekeeper set. Um, which mm -hmm. which alludes to kind of the nature of these firekeepers. They are uh, kind of robbed of light in order to be the uh, the vessel for these souls, right? For their for their champions, um, and only people who cherish the writhing, searing darkness uh, were given the keeper's black attire. Yes, 
um, you head down to the bottom, and this is where there are just dozens of Firekeeper skeletons. Yep, just stacked like uh, cordwood. So that dignified end that they have, where they're led <laughs> into uh, to beautiful, peaceful slumber, really just means getting kicked down this Kicked down the corpse chute, yeah. Yeah, yeah, go, go die down here. <laughs> go break all your bones. Um, and you get another really useful ring for the early game, the Estus ring, which increases the potency of your swigs. Um, and this is, uh, we actually do know this, that this ring was entrusted to a certain firekeeper, but in the end, she never met her champion, and the ensuing tragic farce became a favorite tale of the masses, uh, <laughs> which is a great description, uh, but we also know um, who this is. Yeah. Um, which we, uh, should we say that now, or should we say it later? Uh, we should say it now. Okay. Um, this is the firekeeper, so uh, Udex, um, he, you know, he's guarding because he missed a bell. He was in our situation. He overslept. <laughs> and uh, this was his firekeeper, was going to be his firekeeper. And she kind of waited forever. Yeah. You know, she never met her champion uh, <laughs> because he missed the bell and uh, she just died in the corpse pit. <laughs> so. Poor her. Yeah. It's one of the one of the few things we know about uh, good old Udex. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, and then from this side, you can open up the door and get killed by the swordmaster if you didn't kill him. Yes. Yep. And uh, there, there is some stuff that can happen with this shortcut if you come here later, mm -hmm. um, which we'll talk about when we get to the NPC that's involved with that. Yeah. Um, should we mention real briefly, and this probably would have made more sense earlier in the episode, should we talk about classes real quick? Yes, we should. We don't, we don't have to go through all of them, but um, it's worth mentioning. Uh, so there are the general classes, but they've kind of made some combinations that are interesting. Um, <clears throat> the uh, kind of range class is rolled into the thief. Mm -hmm. Now the thief starts with a bow. Um, there is an explicit cleric fighter and magic, you know, mage fighter yeah. class now. The assassin and the herald. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, which is which, which is good. Uh, the assassin, I've had fun playing around with. The herald feels like too much of a compromise to me. Like in terms of like what you can, I would much rather take a regular cleric and then get her to uh, fight rather than have the cleric side compromised. Well, the the uh, herald, like who can't? Uh, so the herald starts with a weaker heal. But the Herald is like the ultimate super defense class hmm. because you start with a 100% block shield and you start with a, a halberd, I think. So you can attack with your shield up. Oh, well. Um, I think the idea behind that is it's the, you know, the real, real easy, you know, easy mode. Like you yeah. can heal and you can block all the time. Yeah. You know, um, the assassin class, on the other hand, is kind of like a hard mode thing. I started an assassin. Um, I think they're really tough hmm. in the early game because magic is not sorcery is viable. You know, builds are a thing now. But the early game relying almost entirely on magic is so tough. Yeah. Um, yeah. Partly because you just don't have enough Estus to spread between uh, between your two types. Yeah. You just, uh, um, I don't know. I, it feels very bad to give up uh, to give up heals. Yeah. Yeah. And and the the character I'm rolling with now, um, my my pyromancer, I do have you know I have a, I have four healing and two two magic Estus, and that feels okay. Mm -hmm. uh, but prior to getting all six shards um, or five shards, it felt significantly worse. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for the for at least for my initial playthrough, like where I'm going through and making notes for the show, um, I'm doing a uh, a knight. Um, like I roll, mm -hmm. I rolled as the knight, and I'm going to do uh, two handed great sword stuff. Okay. And I think uh, actually to revise something I said before we get a correction, uh, the knight starts with a hundred percent physical block shield as well. Okay. But there are just two classes, and it will be a little while before you find one. Yeah. So uh, something to keep in mind. Takes kind of a, a cue from Dark Souls too. Yeah. In that respect. Um, yeah, other than that, the classes are very similar. There is uh, something similar to the the swordsmen um, in this, that uh, dual wielding, uh, you know, as much as we said power stancing wasn't a thing, um, there are specific weapons. Who that are just two will, weapons in one. Yeah. Yes. 
And that's kind of the equivalent. And there is a, a class for that. Uh, the name is escaping me. It's not a highwayman. Uh, it's like it bandit or something like that. It's it's something kind of similar. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mercenary, I think. That, yeah, something 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 similar to that. Yeah. Um, other than that, the classes are largely the same. Just having those hybrids built in though is pretty neat. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Yeah, and it was good to be able to start as a pyromancer again. Yeah, even if it doesn't start as soul level one with like increased stats. Yeah. Like it in Dark Souls one, it's no longer explicitly easy mode, even though it is a really good choice. Yeah. For for a first character, uh, my first character I ran through as a warrior uh on my first build but pyromancer all the way this time yeah so yep uh so gary what are we doing next time uh next time we are talking about the high wall of lothric um we're just going to warp there we're not going to walk there so i have no idea where it really where it exists in relation <laughs> to uh to this and uh we're going to be joined by guests um <laughs> i have the people who i think are going to be on but i haven't had confirmation yet so i'm not right. mentioning it yeah and uh from now on we're going to be proceeding through the game um, kind of, kind of in order. Uh, so uh, up to a point, we're going to be able to uh, kind of say like what's going to be next. I'm kind of hesitant. I figure if I put like a bullet pointed list of all the areas we're going to be doing for the next three episodes, people are going to be upset that I reveal what's there. Uh, but because the game proceeds so linearly, just kind of you can take a guess at what's going to come next. Um, or yeah. we know like what's coming up. And if you have any thoughts about uh, areas that are in proximity to this. Uh, temporally or what have you uh, you can write in to uh, duckfeed.tv slash contact go there press the button and uh, that uh, creates a form that emails in uh, a lot of people have written in and uh, we definitely favor brevity and novelty over uh, kind of general reviews or walkthroughs of an area yes um, yeah one thing about that um, you know the, the spoiler policy which I, I want to stick to but if you are, if an area name from three areas ahead is going to offend you, like you're playing at a glacial, glacial pace. Yeah. Like I think people do play along with us, but that's, you know, you're playing like two hours a week. Yeah. Like that, that, that's really, really slow. I don't think there's that, that many people. Um, it's just some people just don't pick it up very much. So we're not going to please everybody. Just, uh, again, this is a Dark Souls podcast. So there's going to be some Dark Souls information. Yeah. So just throwing that out there. Um, if you like this show and you want to help us out and you want to support it, uh, the best possible way to do that is to go to patreon.com forward slash duckfeed TV. Um, you can donate, you know, even as little as a dollar a month makes a big difference. I know that's a cliche, but it is true. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you can bump that up to $2, you get access to our Slack channel, yeah. which is a super fun chat room and is full of Dark Souls experts. And uh, we're doing, you're puzzling out lore shit. Like that's, <laughs> that's a place where that's happening. So yeah. if you want to be part of that discussion as we do it live, like that is the place to do it. Yeah. And uh, uh, also uh, by supporting that Patreon, you help us do new shows. So uh, if you're just listening to this, uh, if you're new to this show, we are part of a network. It is called duckfeed.tv and we have other shows dedicated to uh, mostly video games, uh, some comedy stuff, but we have other kinds of shows on the, uh, on the table as goals and we're looking to expand this. And so uh, you um, contributing your hard earned money helps us dedicate, dedicate more time to doing, uh, to doing kind of in-depth dives on different topics like this. And, you know, you should check out those other shows that we do now. Yeah. I think that if you like this, you will like those as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's um, like Watch Out for Fireballs, which is pretty similar to this, like a book club kind of thing. There's Abject Suffering, which is ostensibly about bad games, but is mostly a comedy show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And then if, uh, if you are into modern video games, uh, the level is the uh, kind of video game roundtable mm-hmm. uh, show that we do. Yeah. And if you're then, into uh, uh, indie games, uh, we have Check It Out Comrade, which is about modern indie games. Yeah. Yep, and uh, yeah, and then we have uh, some comedy stuff as well. Um, Teenage Dirtbags and The Pitch and those damn Ross kids 
Um, and also uh, DuckBeed Presents, which is where we put our live uh, kind of live streams that we do, uh, which uh, being kind of part of that and having asking us questions and stuff is also part of a Patreon reward. So even if you don't feel like donating, at least head on over to that page and see what we have on offer. Yeah. Um, yeah. The uh, By the time this comes out, uh, you should be able to buy Souls of Darkness. Oh, nice. So, um, yeah. So uh, head out. There will be an announcement if you go to DuckBeed.tv. Um, but that physical book is out. The... Uh, Digital book has been out forever, but the physical book, people have it before me, which, <laughs> Cole, I know you'll understand this, was a nerve-wracking uh, kind of prospect Yeah, where I could not be the first person to have my hands on this thing for quality control Yep, and just had to kind of send files out into the void, and then people got a bunch of stuff with my name on it that I didn't know how good it was. I can assure uh, you, Gary, I've flipped through it. I have, I have looked at all the images. I've checked all the formatting. It looks great. Cool. Yeah, I, I, the the early early reviews are, are good. Um, yeah. So for you know, I haven't talked about this uh, on the season yet. So I wrote a book. Um, it is called Souls of Darkness. It is a parody book, as if um, Dark Souls was a Nintendo game, and uh, it takes the the form of those old uh, Worlds of Power books. So not everybody who's listening to this will know what those are, but they were. Uh, I almost said edutainment, and it is one of the least entertaining, least educational <laughs> books that I've ever read. So not that thing, not that thing you not almost said. The opposite of edutainment. <laughs> it is, uh, there were books based on Nintendo games. Yeah. So it is a, uh, a goofy, hopefully funny book uh, with a lot of kind of Dark Souls DNA, but um, a lot of its own thing as well. And kind of uh, reimagines Dark Souls as if it was a Nintendo game. Um, we did an episode of this show. That is a fake episode about a fake area, as if that were a Nintendo game. That's real fun. Um, that is a few episodes ago, and I'd recommend checking that out as well to kind of get a little bit of the flavor. Yep. But uh, yeah, yeah, give it a shot. Yep. You should be able to buy it in many places. Keep an eye out on social media and at DuckFeed.tv, and we'll have a, a blog or an announcement when that is ready for, for sale. Yeah. Um, and so if you kind of are uh, curious about other stuff that's like this, we've kind of rattled off a lot of things. Uh, every week I do kind of a news post at duckfeed.tv slash news where you can see kind of a list of all the stuff that came out across the network and then special things like polls or T-shirt announcements, stuff like that. Um, subscribing to that in, in your RSS or watching for that on Twitter at, uh, at DuckFeedTV is a, is a good way to, you know, see when something like Souls of Darkness goes on sale. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and if you're unable to, uh, to support us financially or anything, ratings or reviews on iTunes are hugely important. Yeah. Um, we had the feather in our cap of, of sitting in Giant Bomb's chair for a little bit, <laughs> yeah. uh, where we got to be the number one video game podcast uh, on iTunes, yeah. and which that is, is really crazy. That is all thanks to, to to every one of you who went out and rated and reviewed. Like that, that was yes. we we asked specifically for that to happen. Like when the when the first impressions episode came out, we were ranked pretty highly, um, and then we made mm -hmm. that push. And like, wow, the system does kind of work a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it works at what it does. What it actually does is kind of confusing. Right. Like it, it does like let more people see the show. But like the, the metrics are, are really strange alchemy mm -hmm. uh, for that. So we're under no illusion that we're going to stay in that spot or that we you know did stay in that spot. But again, it was fun to sit in Giant Bomb's chair for a little bit. Yeah. And uh, that's all thanks to you guys. And that continued support is really important because the one thing we know that it does, um, even if we don't know how it works, is it means more people see the show. Yeah. So it shows up in suggestions. It shows up on the, the, you know, the hot what's hot page mm -hmm. for people cruising for hot podcasts yeah. or hot podcasters we, we have a chance of um, maybe showing up on the front page you know yeah yeah and uh, and it just you know it just helps in general and if you can't do that or if you don't want to do that if you're not an itunes person which i understand um you know tweeting about it or telling your friends is also really hugely important yeah so those are all things you can do that help out quite a bit mm-hmm 
Yeah. So uh, we're, you know, I'll, I'll speak for myself. I'm very excited to start this new season of this show. There's a lot of stuff in Dark Souls 3 that uh, that is incredibly exciting. Um, and I mm-hmm. uh, want to, you know, talking about these games really helps me kind of solidify my own understanding and enjoyment of them. And uh, this is, Gary, um, a journey that I'm excited to go on with you and with all of our listeners and the people who uh, kind of interact and uh, write in and stuff. Like this yeah. is going to be a very exciting couple of months. Yeah, absolutely. This is this is the thing. Um, you know, if you could not tell from me being a little bit tongue-tied or a little bit discombobulated this episode, I had kind of a rough uh, last forty-eight hours or so, and I was looking forward to doing this because this is uh, this is my favorite way to really engage with these games is trying to puzzle them out after the fact, mm-hmm. and uh, developing and growing that seedbed of uh, kind of theorizing and stuff. <laughs> and a lot of that is almost all of that is directly resultant of this show. Yeah. Um, because of the people that the show has brought to me and uh, you, Cole, mm-hmm. and being able to have that conversation. So yeah. uh, that was like the the shine, you know, silver lining I've been looking forward to uh, <laughs> during this. So it is a uh, it is great. And uh, I'm just now kind of poking into it. And it's, you know, really cool. Like I have that that feeling that I had the entire time of playing it. of just like that pregnancy feeling <laughs> of like I'm pregnant with takes. Yep. And I want to run these takes by people and get <laughs> get these takes modified. Hey, Gary, like, how hot is this take? Uh, the, most of my my takes, uh, they're, they're kind of Ashen takes, I imagine, but I'm trying to turn them into Estes takes. Like, I, I want to have a healing take, because right now I don't feel that confident in my takes, mm-hmm. but I want to get my takes up to par. Yeah. At least room temperature takes is what I want. Yes. Yep. If I can get to room temperature take, then I'll have succeed. <laughs> um, yeah. So if you want to hear those takes, keep listening. We really appreciate you listening so far. And uh, we'll see you next week with uh, your thoughts on these first two areas. Uh, Cole, what should they do until next time? Well, um, you should retreat into a darkness beyond the reach of flame. 100%. Good advice in real life (laughs) and in Dark Souls. Umbasa. Umbasa. And we all pray that we will have far more soon. Clambasa. Mm-hmm. That's a refreshing drink. Mm. You can buy <laughs> clam juice in the store. Yeah. Have you crab, seen that? Crab juice too. Yes. Uh, I mean, cl- clam juice is like it's a clamato thing, right? Or a Caesar? Uh, yeah. 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 Can yeah. you buy, actually buy crab juice? That's a Simpsons joke. No, it's a Simpsons joke. I'm sure. Yeah, okay. Can, yeah. You said you said it like a, like <laughs> it's it's ridiculous that one of those <laughs> is the cartoon goof, and one of them is something that old people buy at the grocery store. <laughs> yep. <laughs> to to um, pour into their bloody marys to the point where you yeah. have to like clarify this is not going to have seawater squeezins in it sea uh, creature squeezins in it is will it yeah please Ugh. Ugh. oh gosh one time my brother said hey drink this and it was uh it was one of those like bud light clamato things oh yeah yeah i have was... not had one of those it does it taste like like fish blood beer it's it's incredibly safe it, it tastes rotten to me um, mm. Yeah, I'm sure that's somebody. I don't, I don't want to yuck somebody's yum, but yeah, pretty gross. Pretty gross. <laughs>